PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 390 of Cinema Crespity. So I'm your host, Christopher Crespo, hanging out with Christian named Drewster Cogburn. Yes, Christian, more like Satanist name. Satanist name. (laughs) Is that, is that the opposite of the... Your, That's what, I'm looking for the opposite of Christian name. What's your Christian name, sir? It's like, I have none. But my Satanist name... Is... Is Drew Stakogman. <laughs> this is Drew Stakogman. Um, Drew, how you doing? Pretty good, Chris. Um, uh, yeah, pretty good. Nice. I mean, you know, all, all things... Considering that the entire world is falling down around it, oh, me. Oh, it's fine. Besides, besides all the regular <laughs> bullshit, everything's fine. No, it's fine. The... The turtle that's carrying the uh, the flat earth on its back, <laughs> it has cancer and it's, and it's bleeding out of all its orifices, but we're fine. It's cool. I'm trying to think of the proper analogy to really reach these people. I mean... Who are these people? I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> no clue. Uh, no, everything's fine, Drew. It's just, you know, there's just more chaos and death and destruction and people making bad decisions affecting I mean, other people's I mean, lives, the, but it's okay. It's the, cr- the Christians right. are looking forward to this shit. This is good times for them because it, it, it means that uh, hopefully... It's the second coming. We're getting some good old end yeah. time stuff. Yeah, yeah. Apocalypse and then the second coming. And then, but then as soon as Jesus shows up, uh, they're going to kill him. Well, yeah. I bet you if they know. already haven't. Who says that they haven't, right? What if uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, what if that was uh, some dude who got pulled over at a, at a traffic stop and got killed? Or got fucking, uh, you know, killed. Uh, Got pulled over and you know got taken out in the war on terror. Mm-hmm. Or what if the Christians were right and uh, the second coming, the the new Jesus, he was uh, accidentally aborted. Could have been that too. That, oh, that's why. He... That would have been. That would be hilarious. <laughs> God, that would be so fun, man. <laughs> that would put because the amount of limitations that that puts on God, like you you using that as an argument, actually makes your God less powerful. It's like that. It's just because uh, it, 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 it's just if, you, that, if you're saying that God Himself cannot choose which woman gets Jesus and therefore miss said abortion, then what kind of shitty God is He? No, it's more like it's more like that age-old adage, philosophical question, really. Yes, Jesus uh, could microwave a burrito so hot that He Himself could not eat it. Yes, could God make an abortion uh, procedure so good that even He cannot survive it? <laughs> I mean, he'd be a shitty god if he did. <laughs> he's got to know how. He's got to know how. He's got to have the power. God, it's on you. Can you do it? Give us, grant us this wish <laughs> <laughs> of the greatest abortion procedure ever, because we need him. Um, is that the beginning of the episode? Yes, I guess it, it is. is, guys. Uh, it uh, is the end of June. We're about to roll into Fourth uh, of July weekend. And usually, by this point, we would be, Drew, like. 
halfway through the we summer movie season. Summer. We, 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 we would have been like, oh my god, I saw this, and oh my god, I saw that, and how could they top this? Well, yeah. apparently they're gonna. While we'd be talking about like new movies coming out, James Bond would get ready to come out yeah. on like uh, Redbox and, and my rental mind, services My and mind stuff. would have been blown by the Green Knight by now. The Green Knight, will we ever get to see that? I think they burned that. I think <laughs> I don't think they're actually going to show these movies anymore. Um, the Yeah, that's wild to think about how uh, we're officially not no summer movie season. Yeah, no, it's done. Uh, it is dead. Tenet moved to mid-August, yeah. to August 12th, and then Mulan got pushed to the week after that. Mm-hmm. Because Disney Inc., like, we're not going to be the <laughs> If you're leaving July, we're not going to be the only one. Exactly. And if even if they even come out in August no. at this point, I think that'd be kind of crazy. Uh, September? I mean, movie season, summer movie season could put and done. Summer's canceled. It's Chris. over. Summer has been officially canceled. Summer's canceled. There's no hope for a comeback. No hope for even this weird late thing. Nope. So Warner Brothers puts out a statement mm-hmm. that Tenant... Uh, is going to have to get a non-traditional release, obviously, because of certain circumstances in the world. They won't really say which ones. So, August 12th is a Wednesday. Tell me the nearest state that's doing it. Tell me if I need a 14-day quarantine before it, because <laughs> I come from my shitty state, well, and nah. let's get this done. You, <laughs> by the time these movies do come out, the theaters will be open. That's the thing. That's why they were kind of pushing for these movies to come out, because like AMC can't operate can't be closed past July, so yeah. they, ha- they have to open now. And they are. They have, uh, like, Empire Strikes Back is getting a re-release and all this shit, all this crap. Um, but the, uh, the, 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 where was I going at that point? The theaters? The re- oh, yeah, no, the, 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 winter, the Winter Park Regal. You won't have to go very far at all when Tenet does yeah. come out. It'll be here. Somebody want to quarantine. That's, that's again, that's on you. The, um, it's going to come out on oh, Wednesday. And they said they're going to leave it in theaters longer than they normally would leave a movie in theaters to give people time and space to be able to see it when they feel comfortable. So it's possible that Tenant could be could come out in August and could play in theaters through the end of the year. Uh, sweet. If it's if it's if it's good enough that it can be like, all right, so uh, you want to go see Tenant for the how many time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you want to keep rolling this COVID dice? <laughs> like, I don't, is there any other outside of that? The only other movie I can think of that I have to go see in a theater is Dune. Yeah, and that's Christmas. No. I guess we could do a double feature. I mean, if that's a lot of time. Would... That's not a good oh. idea. You want to leave a theater <laughs> after a while? Let them sanitize we, we, it. We can have an intermission. Yeah, we're gonna have to <laughs> for ourselves. Um. So yeah, it's uh, slim pickings for movies these days. Did okay the last couple weeks with a Spike Lee joined in a yeah. John Apatow movie. Didn't really check anything out this week though. So we got no, we got no new movies to review at the moment. But do have some media diet stuff. Actually, Drew says he had a lot of stuff yeah. this week. So yeah, we're gonna jump right into our media diets. Is it gonna be a shorter episode? No, not at all. Because I have over twenty news stories. Oh fuck me! It's been a ridiculously busy week. I even burned a couple just now talking about Tenet and Mulan and all this stuff. Cool. So, um, but I did see a movie, Drew. That I don't know if everyone knows about it. It's a very good movie. Having its forty-five years came out forty-five years ago today, which is why I wonder. You know, maybe people need a reminder. Mm-hmm. It's a little mm-hmm. film. Uh, uh, maybe you've seen it. It's about these people on an island, and there's a shark, and they're trying to. The shark is like eating people, so they got to convince the mayor. I forgot what it's called. Is it called Jaws? Jaws. 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 Pretty sure Steven Spielberg. Senor Spielberg. Pretty sure. Yeah. 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 uh, Came out 45 years ago this July. Next month. 45 year anniversary. Which means it would have had some sort of like Fathom event screening, which I would have gone to because the last one I went to was 
uh, I think five years ago. Yeah, it was five years ago. I always like to think of this as a prequel to Mr. Holland's opus. He does, yeah. He does uh, live. And then the and, and, and the, afterwards, he becomes a music teacher. He, 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 he quits everything and then music teacher. And then at the end of that, he retires, goes to Provo. Where does he go? Lake Titicaca. And then he, and then the piranha eat him in the beginning of Piranha. Oh, I like, man, yeah. that's a wacky life. Isn't that cute that he's in that Piranha movie? So he, he, he kills a shark, becomes a music teacher, mm-hmm. and then gets eaten by a piranha. Mm. No. Cruel Prehistoric. Cruel fate. Prehistoric. Carnivorous. Oh, they're already carnivorous. I'm okay with that. Um, it's a life worth living. I rewatched Jaws last night, and it's... Uh, Still holds up. God damn it, movie's yeah. good. Still holds up. And play the Jaws board game that I got for twenty bucks, and it's pretty wild. Drew. Did 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 the shark win, or did you did the shark lose? Played enough times now that the shark has won. Let me see. If we played four times, I think the shark has won three times. No, yeah. All right, so you've only completed the movie once. Yes, <laughs> and it was Brody killing the shark too. All the, it was like with a hammer or something, but still, he did kill that shark. Uh, it's a crazy game where the, the first half, of the, the board game on one half is the, the island Amityville, and it's two to four players. One player is the shark, and he moves around the board secretly with like a pad and pen. You keep track of your own, keep track of your own shark movements. At every move, do you say "dana"? You can. We should have. <laughs> I'm now mad that we didn't. I did uh, put the, the soundtrack on my phone and play, so it's like doo, 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 doo. Um, so you keep track of your movements. It's sort of like. Um, Battleship in a way, mm-hmm. where as you move around and the other players have to guess where you are on the board. So the other players are your Hooper, Quint, and uh, and Brody. Uh, so you get a yell Hoopa a lot throughout the the game. So the first half, you're trying to track the shark around the island while the shark eats swimmers. Yes. And then when you get to a certain point, you flip the board over for the second half, and you break out a whole new set of like you put these cards and tokens away you take out a whole new set of cards and tokens including whole new game a whole new game with dice with like uh, hits on them so you have to roll for hits um, and there's like evade numbers and stuff uh, then with, it becomes with role playing elements it's role playing elements it becomes a game where uh, now you're on the orca and the shark character is attach- attacking the boat in different spots and the crew and uh, and the crew members are trying to guess where the shark is going to pop up on the board so they can attack him and it's a turn based thing and it's a uh, Pretty fun. Once you get it down, yeah, it's a fun game. Cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And then, then you watch the. They really do. It's funny playing the game and then watching the movie. See, like, yeah, well, there's the machete. There's everything. There's like the shark cage. There's chum. There's a fish finder. Binoculars. Even the little beach clothes sign uh, plays a very important part into it. Uh, they got the like the icons down really, really good, really good for the for the board game. It was super cool. So I had myself a Jaws, a bit of a Jaws weekend. Cool. Uh, celebrating one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, <clears throat> beaches are, are beaches closed in Florida yet? Do we close the beaches? Have been reclosed um, unless I, mean, I know, uh, I know we reclosed the bars. Uh, yeah, apparently only if the beaches served alcohol. Okay. <laughs> okay. closed since they, since the beaches only serve uh, disease. Then they're open and jellyfish open. Uh, okay, cool. Then they're open, so we're good to go. Um, Jaws proving that. Uh, Movies can change lives. Yeah. Yeah. Making people afraid of the water. Uh, making sharks, great whites, the uh, the enemy of humans. <laughs> yeah. When they're just Is out there in the water chilling, <coughs> they don't want you going they out work. there. Yeah. That's not cool, man. Mm-hmm. Those poor things. They, <clears throat> unintended consequences, Chris. They did not ask for that. It's not their fault they're so badass. Uh, man, Roy Scheider and that is so good. I love, it, I love it Roy Scheider. It is their fault. They have dead soulless eyes. <laughs> it is. Soulless eyes. Black eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes, chief. 
until they bite you and they roll back white. Oh, man, his USS Indianapolis speech is so good. Five and a half minutes. Supposedly written by John Milius over the phone. Dictated to, uh, to Spielberg over the phone by John Milius. Mm-hmm. Um... And okay, so that's a really yeah. Because otherwise, I w- I did watch two movies this week, but it was for our Patreon. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know what movies I watched this week, you have to wait for the end of August because <laughs> that's how that's how far we are ahead on our Patreon show, patreoncom slash So I did watch. Uh, you're usually one coming with all the the comedy specials, mm-hmm. but I finally watched me one on Netflix. Which one? Eric Andre. Yeah, you watched it? Yes, legalized everything. You yeah. watched it? You know, that, that, was, uh, that was an 824 production, Chris. <laughs> Oddly enough. Yeah, <laughs> I remember reading an article about that. Um, yeah, they get their fingers in a lot of weird things. Uh, Eric Andre is stand-up comedy. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it's a lot like his other show where like he does he does some funny things and he, at least a quarter of it is just going to be weird noises. Weird noises, him screaming. Um Intense faces, like uh, b- blowing on an O-ring. The stuff with uh, that dude's mom at the end was fucking hilarious. Yeah, an ama- amazing bit with the <sighs> they dongled some random guy's God. phone to a screen. It was so good. The uh, the text thing he was doing. Yeah, he had a, he had a couple of really funny like elaborate. That's like an elaborate bit. Yeah. He had a couple well, funny of those. He had it some, was so good though. It was it paid off so well. He had some legit good like setup, you know, and then punchline mm-hmm. jokes, like some storytelling stuff. Something even like got quiet and just was like talking. I was like, oh man, this is actually uh, also making a lot of very strong points about uh, <laughs> over the top points about <laughs> feminism and social justice and that kind of stuff. Really being in, in your face about it, which is funny. Yeah, uh, I love how uh, at, the, at, at the beginning he got it as as the drunk cop. He, he do his fucked up cop bit where he's just yeah. like smoking weed with people and fucking <laughs> trying to give people drugs. Got and... some random white lady to hit, hit a bong on the yeah. street. Is that weed? Is that That's weed? <laughs> yeah, it's weed. Um, he's wild, man. He's he, he's a he's a crazy yeah. dude. He has a movie that should have uh, be coming out right now called Bad Trip, where he for years has been trying to do a um, jackass like you know the, that crew yeah. style. But more like uh, Johnny Knoxville, what he did with uh, Bad Grandpa, or uh, what's this other one, Action Park, like a story that is uh, buffeted with him doing yeah, pranks we, on real people. Didn't we see a trailer for that or something? I think so. A they, while ago? Because it was supposed to debut at South by Southwest back in March. Which got canceled. And it chose, obviously, with most movies, not to get in that uh, online South by Southwest mm-hmm. thing, so it's still... Somewhere. It's still out there waiting to come out. Bad trip. Gotta see it. But it's... He came up with the idea years ago, and then he went to the guy who is like the head of all the Jackass movies, the one who figured all them out. Mm-hmm. And that dude was like, "You need a much better story. You need better a better premise to to link all this stuff together." And he went away, and he figured it out like five years later, six years later, came back to him, and the dude was like, "Eric, my man, you get it." And and then they made the movie. Word. And now we can't see it. Well, eventually. They, they, nope. They, bur- they burned it along with Green Knight. They put it all on nope. the same. Uh, it's just like Glorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. They, they, just, they just threw it in a bonfire. See, the good thing is, though, they put it in a in a theater full of uh, neo-Nazis. And, a, yeah, well, and, and you know what? Line. Worthy sacrifice, then. Worthy sacrifice. Again, another 824 sacrifice. Um, just a quick podcast recommendation for people who like podcasts. Uh, I'm imagining if you like podcasts, then you most likely like uh, Paul F. Tompkins, because he is the mayor of podcasting. He's been in so many shows guesting or hosting or otherwise so he has a newish show that started because he's in la right so he's quarantined with his wife it's just the two of them so they started a show called stay at stay f homekins 
And uh, it's just once a week. I think every Friday or Saturday comes out. 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, them just talking, having a good time. It's very simple, easygoing show. For people, are, they're gonna be looking for content. We're almost out of a, the the new stuff on Netflix list that came out this month. Ooh, it's short. Does he wear a suit? You know what? She mentioned once that he was wearing a sweater. He fucking better be wearing a goddamn suit, you, even in, even in quarantine. He was wearing a like a, a sweater that said Philadelphia or something. I would. I, he's from Philly. I would assume that he's always wearing a suit no matter what. Well, it's dear to mind <laughs> because of the podcast. Okay. So you can imagine him wearing all sorts of suits. You can imagine wearing the, the the suit with all the anchors that the Mayor Vaughn wears in Jaws. Okay. Man, I got to get me one. He also has another suit that's just like lines, uh, a line pattern, but a very 70s color scheme. Oh, what fashion. I love it. Um, so that's it for my uh, media diet for the week. Very simple for me. Uh, Drew, sir, what do you get? Uh, I watched two episodes of Reunited Apart on YouTube. Ooh, nice. I watched the episode on Splash just because. Uh, so obviously we had... Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, mm-hmm. Eugene Levy, uh, tribute to John Candy. Nice. Uh, uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, everybody was on it. Wow. So they all did their reunited apart thing. Very cool. And I think think Ron Howard needs less ca- Ooh, oh Wow. He's high on life. He's like, hey, guys. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, not, he's not high on drugs. He is just... Going. Oh, man. Bryce Dallas Howard makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So that was a good one. It was all right. I'm, I'm, it not, was really, just, it was I'm not really into Splash, but, you yeah, know. It's like, it's like they could have picked another but, Ron Howard or Tom Hanks movie to reunite people. Yeah. But I guess maybe Daryl Hannah was on. It's cool seeing Daryl Hannah. I mean, it was fun seeing Eugene Levy. Heck, yeah. Love Eugene Levy. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, and also, I did the Ghostbusters episode. Cool. Who made it for that one? Did everyone make uh, it for that one? Everybody, pretty much. Even Bill Murray. Bill Murray was there. That's wild. Ivan was there. He's like the one uh, who's like and, cares the least about that kind of stuff. And because the way that it, it actually the episode started with Josh Gad calling his son Ivan's son because mm-hmm. Ivan's son's the one directing the reboot. Yeah, Jason Reitman. So yeah, he, yeah. He called Jason, and then that started the episode. All right. But they got everybody. Yeah, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, uh, Ernie was there. Uh, obviously, Harold Ramis is dead, so they couldn't bring him in from the grave. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Sigourney Weaver showed up. Cool. Annie Potts. Cool. Obviously, Brooke Moranis could not. Could not or did not? No, uh, did not, I Cho- guess. Chose not to. Chose not to. That's not a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jason Reitman uh, had a hot start Actually, to his career. Larry King was even on it. Oh, really? They got they, they, wow. they got an over-the-shoulder just like they did in the movie, and just he just said his line for the movie, but it was from his current window at home. Goddamn Larry so. King. Um, Jason Reitman's first movie I think was Thank You for Smoking yeah and then uh, Up in the Air I think is his, is his most commercially or no his most critically popular but then he did the, that Labor Day movie with Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet where Josh Brolin was uh, like a, a escapee a prison escapee yeah I saw that uh, he makes like pies with no. Kate Winslet in mm-hmm. the kitchen and it's very sexy yeah. sexy pies sexy pies is sexy this is a sexy uh, powder flower sexy se- sexy flower uh, that's how you look for the wet spot, right? Yeah, exactly. Make pies. Yep, that's how, you make, that's how you find the wet spot. The uh, then he made something else after that that people were like, "Ooh, no!" And it seemed like, "Oh no, Jason Reitman, what's happening?" So Ghostbusters is a good uh, rebound for him. Yeah, for sure. Well, exactly. I mean, it's gonna make a ton of money. Of course it is. When it eventually comes, comes out. out. Yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife. So that was a good one for oh. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Worth did, watching. Did, didn't they also do Lord of the Rings ones? Did you watch that one already? Uh, yeah, I yeah, talked about that, that already. Was, that was a few weeks yeah, ago, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Make sure I'm getting yeah. it right. 
That's cool that they keep doing that. And apparently it was uh, Sigourney Weaver's idea to become the dog. (laughs) Was it? Yeah. That's awesome. That's really funny. Ivan Reitman gave that up. He was like, you had the idea, and I gave them the idea, and everyone was like, okay. (laughs) That's that's how you make movies, man. It's collaborative. Someone else comes up with the idea. You got to be smart enough to say, genius, do it. And then big enough to not try to take credit for it later. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a, like a certain A, absolutely. Hey, no, I wrote the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. What if I also wrote the book? <laughs> but you but he didn't. didn't. <laughs> but what if I did? But yeah, but what if you know you put my face on it and you say that I did? <clears throat> oh, God damn it. Why do we make Cobra? Also watched newest episode of Holy Moly. You know what? I saw a li- I saw a little bit of it um, it's just, it's on just, live TV. It's just putt-putt golf with uh, fucking... Physical challenge in the middle. Physical challenge. Where they're, they're jumping on something rotating. There's water. It's very... Yeah. It's a... What is it? The... Um, Wipeout. Yes. Just like... It's same producers. Makes sense. Even the same course. Yeah. Um, the... Um, John Lovitz. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. It scene he had to do a thing where... Oh, yeah, for, he, one, for one person, he had to hit a golf club. Yeah, yeah with, with an eye, eye patch. And the, the other person is with both eye patches. With both eye patches. And he did it. Yeah. Oh. Good job, John. Uh, that reminds me. Also, I forgot to mention this. I have seen a few episodes on Netflix of Floor is Lava. Oh, and um, it's a uh, it's holy moly, but without golf and uh, red water. Yeah. Exactly. Red. <laughs> but I think but also. It, but just, is there Rob Riggle? Because Rob Riggle's really what gets holy moly for me. No, the um, the host person is just like a kind of a blandish white guy. He's, oh. he's, he's kind of corny. Okay. Um, he's for some people. He's not for me. And I understand now when people watch uh, Nailed It, and they're like, I like the show, but I'm not too into Nicole Byer. I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you not like her? She's the best part. And then I saw online some people are like, well, Flores Lava, like they really like the host. I'm like, how do you like this guy? Yeah. He's a... So it's not for everyone. He is. The show itself is fine. People take some good hits. The funniest part of it is so, you know, every episode is one room that's a chorus. Mm-hmm. Three teams hit that same room. The team to do it the quickest or get the most people across wins, right? Uh, the way they edit it is so that the water is always like bubbling and bursting. And I think it's a combination of maybe red dye. I don't think it's even red dye because they're not dyed later. So it's just the way the water is lit. And then I gotta believe they have something in there to thicken it up. It mm-hmm. looks gelatinous. Yeah. Um, so, and they must tell them this ahead of time. No, because I think it is red. Anyway, they tell them ahead of time. Uh, if you hit the water and you go down and you fall in, you have to submerge yourself fully. And then they cut it so that when the person goes underwater, they, disa- like they're getting, they, they disappear yeah. and they're just gone. And mm-hmm. then the other people are like, no. And then they continue. Mm-hmm. And every time Because the goes, floor is lava, Chris. The floor is lava. It's very cute. It's a cute show. Uh, I'll I'll keep watching it when I have like 30 minutes to kill before bed. No. Gotcha. That type of thing. It's like, do I want to do Simpsons? Do I want to do Bajillion Dollar Prop? Eh, I'll do Floor's Lava. Floor's Lava. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of a level of entertainment. All right. Uh, which I imagine is kind of similar to Holy Moly. It's just like, yes. yeah, it's a quick, well, no, exactly. it, it's quick there, 25, it's 30. On. I get to hear mm-hmm. Rob Briggle be funny for a while. He's a funny guy. I enjoy him. I, I, I like his dumb act. I, yeah, I was like, he mugs. <laughs> he does a lot of good mugging. Some of the best mugging this side of Steve yeah. Harvey. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, it works. Uh, all right, what else you got? Uh, Star Wars colon gallery dash Mandalorian. Oh, okay. E- episode seven and eight. The uh, what, seven was the score. Mm-hmm. So all about Ludwig and his 
how he made everything. Mm-hmm. I see. I saw that one. Yeah, and then after the episode eight was connections, which is just all the Easter eggs. Yep, all yeah. the Easter eggs. That one I've been meaning to watch. Yeah. I almost watched. They're that fun. One. It's good stuff. Is this the end of it? I think it's it. Right? I think it might be. Because I believe it that feels was seven, like it. I believe that was seven and eight. Yeah. And then the last one, connections. It feels like the most. Uh, uh, some, in, inconsequential. Exactly. Well. The, Yes and no. Yeah, like the other piece is like, this is how it's made. And this yeah. last one was like, yeah, it's kind of like a summing well, up. And, and there's still a lot of it, how, how it's made. Because, you know, the, because even, you know, from Mandalorian, most of the main characters in the Mandalorian are the side and the garbage characters. They're, they're in the background of yes, all the movies. Absolutely. So they really go into that. To, to where they pulled up where Quill yeah. was from mm-hmm. and all that. All of yeah. it, yeah. It is funny when you're like... Like, this is where we got the inspiration for Quill. It's like, they're in one scene mm-hmm. where they're just like, you barely see them in the shadows. That's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. I really like that score episode it showing was. them putting the music together. With this giant recorder. That huge. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as it starts playing, I'm like, yeah. whoa, that's, that's it. That's the sound, man. Yep. That's it. Uh, crazy how that guy, his his career, man. It's just That's what I, when, when you are as talented as the guy that you happen to be rooming with <laughs> and you both go on to do yeah. fun things. And you both work together and yeah. help each other out. Then all of a sudden you're both blowing up. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Good for good for Ludwig Gorenson. Uh Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. I also watched uh, some of the remastered series on Netflix. Okay. It's the... Uh, I guess they put out these documentaries a while ago and then they quote unquote remastered them with, you know, updated info and more uh, interviews. Okay. So one of them was about uh, the Miami show band massacre. So is it called remastered? It is. Okay. So if I was, if I was going to look it up, I'd have to look up remastered. Look up remastered. Okay. There's a whole bunch of them. Remastered series on Netflix. So, but this is the Miami show band massacre. It's basically politics and music in uh, Ireland. And th- okay. there was like it's basically this uh, this group of uh, Catholic guys from mm-hmm. uh, from Ireland. They were like the Irish Beatles at the time. Oh, horror, horror, horror. They went up there. They did some stuff. They came back. They got fucking hustled down. Mm-hmm. Fucking bomb exploded. Most of them died. Like there's Whoa. international espionage and shit. Like mm-hmm. it was like a big thing. And, yeah. when, and when it comes down to it, more than likely it was the British government who allowed it. <laughs> so was, was, was that during the troubles? During the troubles? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, boy, let know, me tell you about the troubles. It's all about that, and it, and you know, this thing that happened, I had no idea about because it's so deep and part of someone else's exactly world history, another part of the world's history, and part of their bad history. Yeah, and it, it's not just given to us. It's not we're not privy to information you have to go find it it takes things like this it's like no here's a crazy little story that's part of a crazier big story that you probably knew very like oh i know know, troubles i know uh, you're not supposed to order an irish car bomb in ireland exactly Uh, (laughs) i get it right yeah (coughs) catholics and protestants Mm -hmm. so they took their protestant part really literally Mm. um yeah that's pretty cool so how long are these things um in between like 50 and 70 minutes and is it then like each one is its own thing yes, documentary but, as opposed to it being a but, series but, with episodes? Uh, but no, but yes and no, because yeah. it, it is its own kind of thing, but mm-hmm. they are definitely their own. They're made by the different people, uh-huh. this, that, the other, but they all do have a lot of, like most of it has to do with politics and music intertwined. 
So, oh, interesting. Like the three that I watched did the Miami Showband Massacre, and then I watched Who Shot the Sheriff, mm-hmm. which was about uh, Bob Marley. About and, the assassination attempt? Well, yeah, exactly. All oh, of shit. it. <laughs> the that's, whole that's, thing. That's the, the so, uh, Brief History of Seven Killings yeah. was like centered around. Oh, I'm so, politics and music in Jamaica. That's so cool. Yeah, how uh, he was trying to stay out of it. But like almost his silence got him drawn into it's one all, side, all and the other, the other side was like, "Oh, we gotta kill this guy now. <laughs> we have to kill the singer." It's all in there, man. So very interesting. That's cool. I definitely want to watch. Uh, that. And then also the two killings of Sam Cooke. So talked about how you know how he was actually killed, mm-hmm. and then how basically his name was tarnished at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what a bummer. Yeah, that, that's a good one for to watch for in the current political climate and all uh-huh. that stuff too. Um, man, I didn't even know that those were out there. Yes, it's, it's called. Uh, there's also uh, one about uh, the devil, the the dude who basically started fucking blues music. Daniel but, Johnson, Devil in the Crossroads story. Yeah, him. Yeah, Th- that's one of the stories they do for the remaster, they, and they do mm-hmm. a couple more too. Okay, there's six of them. I think I've watched four of them so far total. Ooh. What's that guy's name? Was it Daniel? Or is that just that movie? Anyway. Yeah, that, that dude who just came out of nowhere with like yeah. the original blues album. Yeah, but but they, no one but, heard anything like it before. But and they it's tell, the basis of they, all like But they tell the true story. And he, basically he didn't come out of nowhere. He mm-hmm. went away, got trained by somebody else. Aha, boy, that <laughs> yeah, that guy's called the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so But yeah, the remastered series on Netflix. That guy's name was Bob Larry Zabub. It's very interesting. Uh, I also watched the first episode of Perry Mason. I said Bob, Larry, Zabub. We get it, Chris. Bill Zabub. Okay, thank you. Uh, your Perry, oh, the HBO Perry Mason? Yes. With, uh, what's his name? Starring, Rise, starring Rise. Matthew Rhys. Matthew Rhys. Matthew Rhys, Rhys. Also, uh, John Lithgow. Why, John? Go, go. And Shea Wiggum. Shea Wiggum. And Robert Patrick. Get out of here, Robert Patrick. <laughs> Dude, it's really good. That's, that's awesome. It is a, uh, it is a, it's not your dad's Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, it's basically like, a, a, it feels a lot like Perry Mason Begins, written by Frank Miller. I got you. Yeah, so like, it's, it's dark. Yeah. It's, you know, just after the war. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. He's dealing with his demons. He's dealing with his demons and the literal demons out there. The actual demons. Because some really fucked up shit happens already. You know, act one, fucking scene one. Damn so. it, man. HBO it's, Max. Yeah, HBO Max. Totally worth watching. I'm going to have to like... It's on Sundays. I'm going to have to do some workarounds now with my current... I'm going to have to like change various subscriptions <laughs> just so I can start watching fucking HBO Max. It's bullshit. But I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. Because there's so much on there. So I could be just watching HBO Max. I mean, you could. Alone. You could if you wanted to. <sighs> Perry Mason's good, though, and it comes out every Sunday. So I got an episode tonight. Because it just started. It started last week, yeah. Last week. Yeah, I'm going to figure this HBO Max thing today. Okay. Yeah, it's good. And I it's, also... It's, it literally comes on the money, people. It literally comes on the cost of me more money. Okay. And then Bloodshot. Vin Diesel's got another red box. <laughs> it is just as bad as I knew it was going to be. Yeah, but break it down, though. What's going on in this movie? Uh, so it's loosely based on a comic book. Uh, Vin Diesel is a super soldier. Uh, he has nanites in his blood that okay. uh, let him do fun, crazy things, okay. regenerate his uh, cells mm-hmm. so he can get shot a bunch of times. But they also overheat. But, you know, so he's in a program. Guy Pierce is the bad guy. Oh, okay. 
It's it, that's, a, it, that's that's something. It, it is a dumb Vin Diesel. It is on par with the Last Witch Hunter oh. and all these other ones. They're just like like Triple X two. Uh huh. Just like yes, just Man. like all of those. Uh, give me something redeeming about it. Guy Pierce is the bad guy. You already said that. <laughs> Even a moment, a scene, a joke, Ooh, an image. The, I mean the. Um, the uh, the flower fight scene. There's there's a, there's a scene where like they're they're in a tunnel mm-hmm. and Vin Diesel's in a flower truck and well, he like flowers a cook or flower yeah, like, like cooking flower okay, and he okay. crashes the flower truck so yeah. the entire tunnel's filled with flower and it's all lit by uh, flares so it's all red okay and flowers everywhere so but that's all red because it's just white powder everywhere I think there's a little bit of that in the trailer a little bit and maybe it's, and it's pretty violent too yeah R rated so, oh yeah definitely R rated yes. For, di- for digital violence. Digital. Digital violence. Yes. Well, because nanites, they have to fix. But then, yeah, because you see the trail, like, he gets his face nope. hit with a shotgun, like, blown off, but then it's like, he's fine. He's mm-hmm. like, you, you can hear the sound yes. his, face, his yep. face is making. Mm-hmm. And there's some, you know, some twists and turns in there, too, with the story. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, come on. It's a comic book. I mean, that stuff's written already. Three bucks on the red box. Worth it? No, sorry, two dollars at the red box. Dollar eighty. Dollar eighty. Worth that? Yes, w- worth the dollar eighty and ninety minutes of my life. Yes. Okay, those are some caveats because it sure. is a dumb Vin Diesel movie. Oh, I mean, yeah, w- within like two that. minutes, he's in a wife beater and uh, he's in a V neck. The rest of the movie. Why, why with the shirt? Why with the shirt? I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. Because his arms are the only thing he works out. That's why. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, there, and, and there's Man. some fun cybernetic implants in this movie too. So, so some cybernetic stuff. Yeah. Okay, so not a complete loss of a movie, just low level. It's just been... Riddick sequel. Riddick's so much better. <laughs> but uh, Riddick the third one. Riddick, remember the third one? Riddick. There's there, there's Pitch Black. Yes. Chronicles of Riddick. Yes. And then Riddick. I'm not sure if I saw Riddick. Riddick is the one where it opens with him. It's just him on a planet by himself and like some alien dog. Is that that a, has to, I was about to say, was, was that a boy and his dog? It starts as a boy and his dog, uh, and then like some crew shows up to get him or something, and so then it sort of becomes a loose version of Pitch Black. Dave Bautista's in it. I've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. It's fine. It's on par. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a it's, just, just like that. It's a bit yeah. diesel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, all right, is that your full media diet? Yeah, that was everything. Okay, uh, we still have some time for the first half, so we uh, you can email right. us. Perry Mason yep. Remastered. Perry Mason Remastered. Bob Marley. Bob Elizabeth. Sam Cooke. Yeah. Miami Show Band Massacre. Yeah. All right, great. Cinema Crespediso at gmail.com. You can email us, and we'll read it on the show, just like this. Drew Sakagburn is about to do. All right, thank yeah. Yeah, we got one from Kamel. Hey, Kamel, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, Chris Crespo, movie podcaster, a man barely alive. We have the technology. We have the capability to build the world's first bionic podcaster. Chris Crespo <laughs> will be the man better than he was before. Beardier, talkier, Crespoier. The rules are simple. Drew, the Dylan McKay of podcasting and co-host of Florida's number one movie podcast, gives the movie and the year. Chris, okay. the professor of podcasting and co-host of Florida's number one movie podcast, yep. tells whether it was a $100 million box office movie, box office total and year, yeah. and box office ranking included at the bottom. Okay. Okay, so over or under $100 million at the box office. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got it. 
Okay, you, so you got it. I'll keep track of. Uh, All right, Chris. So number one, do it. The year is 1971. The movie, Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Mm, you are wrong. It made 79 million. It was number two that year. 79 million. That's still a shit ton of money. Number two. Yep. The year is 1981. The movie, Superman two. Yes. You are correct. It made 108 million. It was number two that year. Wow. Number three, 1991. Sleeping with the enemy. No. That is wrong. We had 102 million. Wow. That was number eight that year. Wow. That's the power of Julia Roberts. I number guess. four. The year is 2001. The movie Ali. Ali did not. You are correct. It made 88 million. It was number 45. Yeah, that's a bummer. And number five. The year is 2011. The movie Justin Bieber. Colin, never say never. <laughs> Um, I don't think concert movies actually make that much money. But then, is he talking international? Did he actually clarify that international or Doesn't say? Um, it says just just box, box office. office total. If it's um, if it's national, I'm gonna say it did not make 100 million. You are correct. Me, 99 million. Wow, oh, it was. That should have been rounded was, up. <laughs> get this, Chris. It was number 69. Oh yeah, up top. <laughs> thanks up. for the podcast. Special thanks to Drew. Me, love you too much. Sucky, sucky. <laughs> D so horny. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Corella. That was fun. Quick little game there. We appreciate it. Oh, Justin Bieber, ninety nine million. Number sixty nine. That's yeah. a that's a lot of money for a, a concert movie. Concert it movies is. and uh, like comedy movies don't make that much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do- documentaries, also even like music documentaries. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's star power right there. Also surprising on uh, Sleeping with the Enemy, breaking a oh, hundred million. Because that's just a in hindsight, it's just the early nineties. Uh, like thriller, psychological thriller. People cared. Sexy. People cared. People cared about Julie Roberts. We got an email from our homeboy Scott. What up, Scott? Uh, he's got a Deadwood. Wow, he said he saw Deadwood. He's talking a lot of Deadwood. Talking like, a lot of Deadwood here, Chris. All right, let's let's talk Deadwood. This is my new uh, after show talking program called uh, uh, Talking Deadwood. Deading Talkwood. Walking. Deadwood. Deadwood. Here we go. Nope. Deadwood was forever on my I'm gonna get to it eventually list. Mm-hmm. Then a year ago, Deadwood the movie became a thing. Yes. So that sparked my impetus to catch up on the original series. For that alone, I think this unnecessary movie for I thank this unnecessary movie for existing. Mm-hmm. If not for this, Deadwood would likely still be on my back burner. The movie is fine. Two eyes. Mm. Felt like thirty percent plot and seventy percent fan service. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was the movie worth it? Probably not. I mean, I loved watching Bullock drag Hearst by the ear again, but the whole thing was just so extra. A coda that never needed be. Deadwood the movie, two and a half stars. Okay. Deadwood the show, however. Wow, that's my shit. Yeah. Because the movie, I began watching the show about a year ago, but for the same reason that I can neither explain nor remember, I stopped about halfway through season one. It's only since quarantine that I got back into the show, and even though I'm utterly incapable of binging any series, I did manage to watch one to two episodes a week until I finally had the full three seasons under my belt. Nice. And yeah, this is one of the best shows ever. First and foremost, I remember Drew talking about the Deadwood opening theme whilst giving his review of the movie. Then the show's opening credits are indeed something you refuse to click past. Mm -hmm. And even more, something you look forward to. Mm -hmm. That's something special. 
The Deadwood opening credits are 90 plus seconds long, and I never once skipped them. The song's too good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it, it, it set the standard for like great opening credits. There's not very many that I wouldn't want to skip. Like yeah. that, I don't like skipping um, Westworld. I like no, the, the Westworld credits. I like the Westworld credits. Yeah. Uh, the Legion credits were always really good. Yes. <laughs> but they were also very short, though, sometimes. Some, some of them were short. All depends. That's yeah, true, actually. No. That's very true. <laughs> I I always watch the What We Do in the Shadows credits because I love that song. Yeah, yeah. I actually put that. Yeah, dead. Yeah, dead. I actually yeah. found that song on, put it on a playlist. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that is a good one. And I like looking at little pictures too, like going through the seventies. Yeah. And my favorite look of theirs is like gutter punk seventies. Yes, when they're, where they're sort of like gothy mm-hmm. and they're hanging out in the subway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that picture. Uh, next, beef. How did Deadwood not win any acting Emmys? My research oh. shows a shit ton of technical Emmys, all rightly deserved, but not a, sing- not a single one for Ian McShane. Mm. He did win a Globe. And nothing more than a nomination for the absolute best performance of the entire show, Robin Weigart as Calamity Jane, a role for the ages. And I know this might rub folks the wrong way, especially nowadays, but my favorite duo was every time Swearingen and Mr. Wu, Keon Young, did their business. Hell yeah. Wu knew only two words of English, Swearingen and Cocksucker. Yes, somehow. San Francisco cocksucker. <laughs> they built an unbreakable alliance from that meager understanding. Oh, my God. Yes, the portrayal was racist. The entire time was racist. Yeah. But, hell, the whole show was racist, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it made me laugh for all the wrong reasons, but it warmed my heart for all the right reasons. Last word, back to the movie, but it also relates to the series. No way Bullock sires three perfect kids in ten years with his brother's widow. Nope. That relationship was stone cold. Died with William. Thanks for letting me ramble. Take care, guys, Scott. That's some good stuff there. I wonder if it matters to have seen the show in its first run, get the long wait, and then you get the fan service movie that then feels like, oh, this is a I nice th- return well, to Deadwood. I-, I think so, because watching Deadwood, like, the way it ended, like, it was... It was a bit of an anti-climax. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, what's it, his name? Gerald was... McRaney leaves. Then, uh, it, it, it felt like when they canceled Carnival. Yeah. Where, like, we were... Like, we were... We were literally waiting for the next season mm-hmm. for everything to finally get really, 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 really good. We, we were going to get the confrontation, yeah. and it never came. Sa- same thing with Deadwood. I felt like we, we were going to get this giant confrontation that never happened. Yeah. Um, and then it's called a movie, how then McRaney, what's his goddamn character's name? He comes back, and this time his plan is about the phone lines yeah. and then getting up land so you can put phone lines through and stuff. Um and button into landowners and, uh, at that time. It's, so it still felt similar, but different, updated. No. Uh, and then, yes. Whose betrayal? Is it racist? Or is it accurate? And then it's just at the time. Accurate to the... By accurate, I mean... Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who wrote the show. Uh, David... Uh, accurate James, as, James as Robert. In, David, as David un- Milch. As in, unfortunately, historically yes, accurate. Yes, David Milch. <laughs> uh, David Milch, who wrote it, is a vociferous researcher. So no. part of the reason why everyone spoke that the way they did in the show is he, that's the way they spoke. He insisted this is how people spoke. I did the research. Uh, and his theory was that people dressed nicer and spoke nicer because the world they're living in was such shit that no. they were trying to elevate themselves. They had to literally walk through shit to get from place to place, mm-hmm. so they might as well be like, oh, yeah. Um, so uh, he did a lot of research on Deadwood, the town, and the people of Lither. Swearingen's a real person. Wu was a real yeah. person. Uh, but then from the, the the 
whoever wrote those records down at that time would be from their perspective. So however they wrote Woo would come from the, their prejudices of that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to translate that, Milch would then have a, a caricature of a person who then, as the show goes on, you know, they, they form the alliance. It becomes a real person. Yeah. Um, it's a hard, hard line to walk when you're trying to write about characters like that that aren't just from your perspective and you, and you want to do it in a way that's proper but man, I do love that show it's fucking fantastic it means rewatch it and once I get that HBO back up and running again I just yeah. might do it we'll see that's some good stuff there thanks Scott we appreciate it um alright well half half time let's take a break I'll play a song here uh this is a a chill a chill driving song uh that you would do at night one of the night drives when was the last time we went on a night drive, Drew, in this terrible pandemic? <laughs> nope. Uh, so put this on, close your eyes, and pretend you're... Maybe uh, turn on a, a a fan, like an oscillating fan, but then just have it so it's just blowing on your face and you can pretend your windows are down and you're driving. Maybe? Maybe. I'm trying to help people escape the mund- mundacity of their horrible existences. Uh, that's what we're here for. Oh, sorry to remind you of it, though. Shit, I didn't mean to remind you about it. Damn it, Chris! So we're gonna listen to the song. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back with the second half of the show. We got a a comment in the Facebook group, and then, like I said, a whole bunch of movie news stories to take us to the end. Here we go.
And we are back as we go in. What a break. Wasn't that song spectacular? Joseph Cogburn. I wouldn't know. I haven't listened to it. Oh, no. I was not question. I was going to say, uh, where can people find you in the real world? Places. I can say it, eight, seven. No, 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 no. Even just no show address, up at your house. No, uh-uh. Making it harder to be caught no. on the internet, so I figured maybe you just want people to get you IRL. Maybe I don't want people to talk to me at all. Maybe maybe you don't want face-to-face. Maybe you're more nope. of a, a maskless face-to-face guy. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, if we can all the just spit all over each other yes. the whole time. Uh, spittle flying. Yep. Hugging, kissing, caressing, groping. Right? That's your thing. Yes. Um, Bathing in each other's bodily fluids. Oh, yeah. Bodily fluids. What was that? The Bukaki part of the Bukaki episode? Se- was it? Bukaki segment? The, what was when, it? When I... When I when he, <laughs> yeah. The Bukaki segment was hilarious. He, yeah. was, he he brought the joke up like everyone was going to be like, oh, yeah, Bukaki. He was like, that shit is gross. That gross. <laughs> Went straight to the kink shaving. It's like, Bleh! Yeah. Very funny. Well, Bukaki Sunday, Chris, is it the dessert or the day? Ah. Your choice. See, that's the thing. It's your choice. Sometimes the day is a state of mind, and sometimes and ice cream is. Uh, uh, rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> so no more nipples on suits. Not necessarily. The the the, the nipple suit uh, now has its place and legacy. Uh, uh, they'll come back now. It's been established. A suit can have nipples. Right. Down the road, someone's gonna add a bell into a suit. Before you know it, they're gonna have little buttholes on them and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh. Schumacher obviously derided often for his Batman movies, especially Batman and Robin, uh, but not really appreciated enough for his good movies, his Lost Boys and Falling Down and um, Falling Down's great. I love it's wild, problematic but fantastic. Yeah, problematic as hell. But the, the uh, uh, his two episodes of House of Cards are fantastic. Like they're the most uh, David Finchery episodes of all of them that David Fincher didn't do. Uh, handpicked by Fincher to to direct, uh, be a director on that show. Um, phone booth is weird. Yeah, it is. Phone it, booth is weird. I don't know if it's good, but it's but weird. It's weird. Joel Schumacher was a, was a very interesting filmmaker. Also, uh, starting in the eighties, I believe, as a maybe starting seventies, very openly gay as a filmmaker. Uh, especially you say that now, it's like oh, so what? But back then, especially. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, it could have been a detriment in old liberal Hollywood. But I mean, come on, he put nipples in the bat suit. I think we got it. He knew what was going on. He put those giant Romanesque statues throughout the city, yeah. uh, throughout Gotham. Yep. My favorite part of his Batman movies are the the, the Gotham sta- Gotham statue. Yeah. Yeah. The weird design of those cities was cool. Um, he said in an interview once that he he had slept with over twenty thousand people. Um, it was his estimate. And many of them were like uh, actors and married men and and people uh, not out and whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and that he would never kiss and tell, that it was their choice to to not let that information be out there. So uh, we'll never know who those twenty thousand people are. Joel Schumacher, though, laying that hammer for years and years, all throughout Hollywood and the world, all throughout Hollywood and the world, and then uh, cancer, bummer, mm. cancer is almost I think it was eighty years old. Um, before we get into the rest of the news that I have here, let's uh, go to our Facebook group, Cinema Crespediso. I put up a comment question thread that people can utilize each week to get at us. For example, Gabe got at us. What up, Gabe? Uh, I started watching Future Man because it was recommended, and it's a really fun, funny two episodes. I only saw two episodes because it's on Hulu, and Hulu is an exhausting clusterfuck of a streaming service. Hmm. 
I was trying to watch and got weird pop-up transitions like my controller was doing something, which it might have since my controller is drifting, so I unplugged my controller. Mm. And you know what? The pop-ups got worse. It is impossible to have a pleasant experience on that app, and I'm saying it here because the people gotta know. I like Hulu's content, I like Atlanta and Dave and what we do in the shadows, but fuck that user interface and their goddamn repeating commercials. It is a hellscape. Goodness gracious. I mean, I agree. The commercials have definitely gotten worse <clears throat> as COVID has gotten made it more a more popular option. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, fuck. They just announced the two series are going to be Hulu exclusives. One of them is going to be the uh, Why the Last Man. Because it was an FX show. Yeah. So yes, that makes sense. So it's going to be FX on Hulu only, not not regular cable. FX on Hulu. Like uh, like devs was De- devs yeah. was FX on Hulu only. Yep. Oh boy! It's gonna be just like that. Do you know what the other show was? I forget what it Probably. was. Yeah, the, the White Last Man made my ears pop up. I was like, "Oh, so somebody actually did it?" And they're still trying. Uh, they lost their star, but I think they may have cast someone else recently. Um, Hulu may be my way to to get instant access to HBO now, HBO Max, instead of having to wait for it to pop up on anything else that I have available to me because it's available through Hulu as a Hulu channel. HBO. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. My issue is I get Hulu through Spotify. Yeah. So I can't use that add-on feature. Mm-hmm. I have to pay Sign for up. Hulu as, oh. a, as its own set of products. So that, uh, oh. that means mm-hmm. that 5 $6 I'll saving for Hulu. Now I'll be spending just so I can access HBO Max, an app that I'm already paying for. Right? That's that's absurd, that right? Sucks, dude. That you got to figure a way to watch that shit. That's, that's bullshit. That's the bullshit of bullshit. You need, to, you need to figure out a way. I mean, can't you get cast from your phone? Nope. It won't even work on my phone. I get I get HBO Max through Google Play. And according to the internet, then I should be able to use my HBO Max. But then when I sign in, it says not available. Go to HBOnow.com and use our service there for now. Uh, sorry, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. So I'm sorry. Woe is me. My, my life is terrible. I guess I'm glad I have the Xbox. Yeah, so I don't even have any system like that, so... Um, so Gabe's the future man was okay, but he was really just trying to bitch about Hulu. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, their their interface is terrible and their commercials suck. Charge you to watch commercials makes no sense. No, I get it for free, so I'm not. I don't bitch. Peacock is starting here in a couple of weeks for NBC, and that's a free service with commercials, and then you can pay to get exclusive content and then stuff without commercials. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, but we'll see how that goes when that rolls out. Uh, okay, so that's it for the Facebook group. Yep. Let's get into some of these stories. Uh, Nzion Theater sent out an email this week. Florida Film Festival 2020 is happening. Oh, how, how so? Uh, it will be in person at the Nzion Theater only. So they removed the other theaters. It's only at one location. And that is a single screen location in which they cut the capacity in half. So it's all social distancing on the inside. Uh, so it'll be playing for a week in August. You can go to floridafilmfestival.org, nzion.org, to uh, get links, to check out their schedule, and to buy tickets ahead of time, which you will definitely have to do because of limited capacity. Uh, but they're doing it, Drew. Word. They're having themselves a fucking film festival. Well, good for them. And uh, since it's limited capacity and all this stuff, uh, it looks like I ain't going to be. Yeah, more than likely. I'm not going to be participating. I mean, that's when you get yourself a hazmat suit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, trying to get a lot of people in and out of that place in a short amount of time. I don't know how that's going to work. 
Gabe, speaking of Gabe, Gabe gave us that Facebook comment. Mm-hmm. He uh, sent some, uh, pointed, pointed me on Twitter to some, uh, some that some dropped. Stoof. Some stoof that dropped pretty much overnight, it seems, over the weekend. Okay. And I think you'd get a kick out of it. So, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes. He's out there. Uh-huh. Apparently, he's filming season two of Who is America? Oh, I bet you he is getting some fucking gold right now. Well, here's this funny story that that, that broke over the weekend. Uh, first, a video comes out of uh, a big fat guy looking like a like in a padded fat suit with overalls and a fake beard on stage at a... It just says March for Your Rights. The stage just says March for Your Rights mm-hmm. and uh, all this American stuff. And he's on stage singing this eight-minute song that's very repetitive, but... Uh, he he sings it as a sing along thing, and and, it's re- and the reason it's very repetitive is because he's trying to get the people watching to sing along, and someone in the crowd taped eight minutes of it on their cell phone and put it online. Oh, uh, so that's how it got out there. Yeah, and uh, he's on stage and he was essentially singing um, in sections about how America is great, uh, fake news is bad, journalists are bad, and he he was getting the crowd to chant over and over how. Uh, we're gonna chop people up like the Saudis do, <laughs> like the journalists will chop chop them up like the Saudis do, and and the people in the crowd were singing along. Mm, that, uh. <laughs> to, that, to, to that, they were singing along to. Um, oh, he was singing about how uh, the people who wear masks we're gonna we're gonna inject them with the flu with the kung flu. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he's like, but it's also a hoax, <laughs> of course. Yes. And um, it's just like eight minutes of this shit. Yeah. And saying stuff and, and getting the crowd to chant and sing along. And, and it wasn't like they were rapidly singing along. It sounded like maybe there were a dozen people watching and they were, you know, they were doing it. Um, so then that comes out. Eight minutes of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit. There's Sasha Baron Cohen out there trolling, trolling people. God level troll stuff here. Mm-hmm. Then uh, apparently I read that he then left came back disguised as like the band's manager to apologize to the event organizer by go like, oh, you know uh, so he acted as his own uh, like liaison there mm-hmm. and then another video comes out of someone of a white guy interviewing another white guy one of these uh so apparently it was the Washington 3% mm-hmm. rally 3 okay. percenters yeah. oath keepers type yes. real anti-government mm-hmm. racist shits and the guy that interviewing, who's like the main organizer, he's he, he closes his eyes and can picture him. He's got the like the big hair up top, shaving on the side, big beard. He probably changed his name to like Augustus or mm-hmm. Constantine or some crap yeah, like that. I guarantee you, he has a cross tattooed somewhere on his body. Yes, he does have a, that very specific. Uh, oof, um, the Iron Cross thing. The uh, so well, two minutes they break down what happened. That they have this three percenter uh, rally in Washington State. And at the last minute, a big donor came in to offer to sponsor the whole event, give him a whole bunch of money, so they accepted it. And then this big donor booked the band and then hired security. And the guy was like, they hired 50 security personnel, which probably means there's like five people. Mm-hmm. Um, they hired their own security. And then when the band was on stage, Sasha Baron Cohen, the security they hired kept the event organizers from going on stage to get them off. <laughs> so they were trying to shut it down for eight minutes, eight ten minutes, and uh, couldn't. And because it was Saucer Baron Cohen, it's so great. And um, so they were like emphasizing how uh, the the strange donor came in and and the security kept us, and we were trying to stop him, stop, trying to stop all this ra- this racism stuff. And 
they were such dupes. They played played right, right into, into it, it. And, yeah. and it's so so funny, hilarious. Yeah, and I don't know that that eight minute video of him singing dancing may be gone by now because uh, no. who, who is that? Is that Hulu? No, who does that show? Don't know. I forgot which service. No, is it? Is it Hulu? That may be a Hulu show. Um, it is. Uh, they're out there. I think trying to cut the, take the video down because now it's like going to be a big centerpiece of that episode, whatever the episode is, and doing the song and dance number. And I got out there, but Sasha Baron Cohen out there still doing the stuff, still doing the thing, trolling, trolling them whites. Sorry, whites, y'all gotta get trolled. Um, Michael Keaton, you hear about this? No. Coming back as Batman. So. Flashpoint. Okay, cool. Yeah, makes sense, right? I'm okay with that. Uh, so they're, work, they're working on Flashpoint. They've been working on Flashpoint for a few years now. Yeah. Ezra Miller still would be him. Uh, I, I think what's his name would still probably be Thomas Wayne, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. But they're looking at uh, using this as a way to bring in a bring in Michael Keaton Batman back into the fold in the DC. Well, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. sort of universe. I mean, we have DC has said there's a multiverse, so. It doesn't. You know, all these Batman are just Batman number X two three four two. We're gonna or have multiple whatever. Batman. We're gonna have multiple Jokers. It all works. Who knows? Maybe they're secretly building up to their own Avengers style event. What if DC is secretly building up to a movie Crisis on Infinite Earth? I mean, that'd be great because they just pulled it off on TV. To some would claim people really people are watching all that Arrowverse stuff. Really like their most recent crossover. Um, the Infinite Earth stuff worked out really well for them, so maybe they're working secretly on it. They have to build it first. They're learning this time. We have to I mean, build it first, and then we can put it together. I'm okay with it. I think it would be fun. It could be fun. In the meantime, so if Keaton does sign in, he's in talks. So if he does sign in, comes back, he's old Batman. That opens the door for one of two things. We can do cinematic Dark Knight Returns. Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Or, this seems to be getting the buzz online amongst the fans Batman Beyond movie I was never really into Batman Beyond so whatever I only watched it like as a matter of rote like cause I mean, it was if, on it was afternoon cartoon no. I was home I, it, didn't have that many options people seem to like it so people do like it it's a fine show it does still involve Bruce Wayne no. you're just now you're sitting on the Terry McGinnis I think his name whatever. was whatever okay sure um, I mean Batman in the future I'm, I'm okay with that future Batman with a Padawan Right, with the cool. young, young pad one, it's fine. Uh, but in any case, we'll see. I mean, I've watched plenty of, uh, read plenty of Dark Knight Returns, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for old Batman. Deborah Chow is one of the directors on The Mandalorian. She also directed a whole bunch of other TV shows, like Game of Thrones and stuff. Like, she has a great resume. And she's been courted for a few years now to jump into the big movie game. Uh, I think at one point she was asked to do uh, Wonder Woman, an NFL part for her. Uh, But now it's looking like she's being courted. And this makes sense. It's all all the same banner. But uh, Lucasfilm. Is it Lucasfilm? No, Marvel Studios is trying to see if she wants to get in on the MCU. I mean, why not? She's already worked for... Disney with the Mandalorian. She's so. with Mandalorian. Well, here's the why not, maybe. Maybe. All about scheduling what she wants to do. She's currently developing still, because uh, it had a few setbacks, and now pandemic shit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the Obi-Wan show. Um, that, that's her show. You know what? St- 
stick with Obi-Wan. I think so, right? Please. Based on the one yeah. episode she did of Mando, Please. I would love to see her Obi-Wan show. But then the problem was that the Obi-Wan show, as they were developing, was like, shit, this is too similar to Mandalorian. It's like, Obi-Wan, there's a young kid. Uh, I don't know if it's Luke or not, but he's like, it had a very uh, Mandalorian feel to well, it, apparently. change it then. It's also Tatooine. It has to be Tatooine, so it oh. has to be Desert Planet. You can't not be on Tatooine. Um, she did uh, episodes of Mr. Robot, Jessica Jones. So she has done some Marvel stuff before. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what she could do? I'm down. It could be maybe uh, she jumps in on the X Men train or the Fantastic Four all down there because that's still we're still years away from that stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, we got um the director of uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Okay, Colin Trevorrow. He did Jurassic World. Yep. Didn't do the second one. Got fired from Rise of Skywalker. Yep. Uh, and then he did this uh, third Jurassic World movie. He is also now working on his next film. He's already in pre-pro on it with Universal Pictures. And it's called Atlantis. And it's about Atlantis. 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 Uh, an advanced civilization lives on a lost continent in the Indian Ocean with its own advanced technology. So it's kind of like um, Aquaman without the Aquaman. Well, that's where Aquaman comes from, so yeah. Yeah, but they, he can't have Aquaman in it, though, because he's uh, uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's still actually... Ooh, maybe he can do a crossover. Aquaman can show up in this Atlantis movie, because it's still probably for Warner Brothers. Right? I mean, Or no, it's Universal. Never mind. I'm sorry. Maybe he can get the creature from the Black Lagoon. There we go. Now you're thinking what your noodle. <laughs> Universal Monsters. Universal Monster. Creature in Black Moon shows up in his Atlantis movie about the lost content. Now I'm interested. Otherwise, I don't know. If you're making an underwater movie, at this point, from this point forward, I mean, it's one thing if this was recently or in the years past. But if you're making an underwater you're movie You're going up against now, Avatar. That's what I'm saying. There's no point. <laughs> if you're not James Cameron, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're setting yourself up uh, for comparison failure. Uh, oh, this is a fun one. Um, whiplashing back and forth between topics. Winona Ryder opens up about her experience with anti-Semitism in Hollywood. Uh, she talks about how this is an interview published with the London-based Sunday Times. Uh, a studio head passed her over for a role because she looked too Jewish. She said she looked too Jewish to be in a blue-blooded family. Um, in 1995, Mel Gibson was at a party with Winona Ryder. Okay, well, he's an anti-Semite, so... Where he says, you're not an oven dodger, are you? He asks her. Hi-yo. Um, Winona Ryder, for people don't know, was born Winona Laura Horowitz. So I'm going to go with yes. And she was born in Winona, Minnesota. Hey. She's one of these people. She could have been born in Brooklyn. She could have been, been in Brooklyn. She could have been a, a Miami writer. But she's Winona Ryder. Uh, she's not religious, she says, but she does identify. It's a hard thing for her to talk about because she had family who died in the camp, so she's always been fascinated with that time. And she also said there are times when people have said, wait, you're Jewish, but you are so pretty. Ooh. <laughs> Rough. Damn it. <laughs> that sucks. That's, Goddamn ugly Jews. That sucks. That's brutal. Um, so Winona Ryder out there still being, uh, still being great. I love her. I've always loved her. She's not always great. I mean, shit. And uh, Dracula, oof. But still. She didn't cast herself. It wasn't her fault. Um, man, I'm going to skip this. That's a stupid story. 
all right, we got all this. We got the Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. We got all this talk of, uh, of other movies having secret cuts, mm-hmm. extra cuts, hidden yep. cuts that we yes. can bring out. People want those extra ten minutes of Jared Leto Joker thrown into a David Ayer cut. What if I don't? Uh, someone tweeted. I've heard through the grapevine, Joker had thirty nine additional minutes in David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I'll take any sign as confirmation at David Ayer movies. David Ayer retweets that and says, "Grapevine wrong." Hi-yo! So take that from the horse's mouth himself. There ain't no extra forty minutes of Batman or Joker footage. Good, because I don't want it, and I don't think I don't think Ayer wants it either. I don't think he wants to re- how they took the movie away from him, and he didn't get final cut on it. Uh, despite it making a bunch of money, no one really liked it. And that bumped him out. Yeah. So I don't think it's something that he wants to uh, necessarily have to relive. Although, if people tweet him about it and ask him questions, he's answering them. Obviously. So, so he's also open about that stuff, you know? It's not like he's trying to ignore it, but it doesn't seem like something he wants to go through over again. This is funny. So remember when we saw Hateful Eight? We got all this cool, mm-hmm. all the roadshow yep. stuff? Yep. Ultimately, he got this 70-millimeter roadshow presentation. They played in like, a, like two, three dozen cities. They set up... They had to set up 70mm projectors in yep. theaters. Intermissions. With intermissions. Stuff. They had to pay people. First, they had to train people to use the projectors. And then they had to pay them to go to these cities and live there for those two weeks. And run the projectors. And be the projections for the full day. For the full time it ran. Uh, he had to pitch that idea. He had to get the idea started somewhere, right? He went to Universal Studios. And he pitched him his idea. Big event movie, 70 millimeters, roadshow. It's all about the movie experience. The head of Universal at the time, this is according to a Wall Street Journal, his name is Shell, John Shell. I think I got the name right. And he uh, he's like, I want to do this. Jeff Shell. Jeff Shell, at the time of the head of Universal Studio, voiced his own pitch for Hateful Eight. What if we released it on iPhones, he said. <laughs> what? Great, Tarantino replied and stormed out of the meeting. <laughs> uh, man, if I... God, and he was the head of Universal. Yes. You see... In my head, like the head of Universal sitting there, some idiot says that, and he looks at him and says, you're fired, next. Yeah, you should be, right? <laughs> you should say, you are not in charge of anything anymore. anymore. <laughs> Get out of here. No, he was in charge. Tarantino says, great, gets up and walks out. That must have been really funny to yeah. see. Um, Tarantino obviously ultimately got what he wanted. Uh, but Jeff Shell is now currently... The CEO of Quibi of NBC Universal. So he we were he went from the head of just Universal Studios to CEO of the whole shebang, and he's the reason why Trolls World Tour went straight to VOD. He's the reason why King of New York, uh, King of Staten Island, went to VOD. These are all Universal things. Okay. He's trying to destroy that theatrical window. He doesn't care about the movie going experience. Doesn't care about movies. He cares about money. money. Uh, so that's why now. Um, you're seeing us, uh, Universal is happy to put out movies online and streaming, whereas other studios are delaying, if out, not just outright going to 2020. All right, so don't work with Universal. Unfortunately, at this point, that's a bummer because Universal they got a lot of good stuff under their banner. Um, Bruce Campbell promises 
No more cabin in the woods stories in the Evil Dead universe. Okay. All right. So, uh, Evil Dead also got a new title already. We reported a week or two ago that was going to be called Evil Dead Now. But now it's called Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Later. Evil Dead Later. <laughs> Evil Dead Now and Later. Sucking that candy, uh, crack a tooth. Evil Dead Rise is now apparently the okay. new official title. Uh, he says, I don't think anything will happen until 2021. Full bore ahead. We're very excited. A whole new ball game. No more cabin in the woods. So uh, anything said in Evil Dead. You know, I'm not That's fine. I'm not married to the cabin no. concept. They can do whatever. I mean, Army of Darkness is the least cabin in the woodsy. Yeah. Right? They push it the whole new direction. It was so much fun. Uh, so I'm all for it. Oh, I'm all for them changing it up. Because even the show... Sort of had a cabin in the woods it, it feel did. to it. It had like a bottle episode feel to it. Things mm-hmm. were contained often. I never finished the show. What they? I think they did three seasons of it. Do you say so? I think so. Don't stars. Uh, oh, this is uh, revealing. So we got uh, we talked about. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Cops was canceled. Live mm-hmm. PD canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh. American media has to have a reckoning. Creative media has to have a reckoning with the way police have been dramatized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did an episode of People coming out this Tuesday, Half True History. Uh, Dan Pearl did an episode on Can po- Protest Be Peaceful? Mm-hmm. Uh, or essentially, Can Progress Be Obtained Via Peaceful Protest? Mm. Mm. No. No. The answer is no. Short answer is no. The, uh, but he talks about the canonization of police in America and the beginning of police and how they started, uh, how they started in London, the reason they're called Bobbies and Coppers, which is all fascinating. Mm. And uh, he talks about how Dragnet was the first show on that came out in the 50s to show cops as these upstanding uh, citizens who are doing the Lord's work, the line between chaos and order, etc., etc., mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you can track that all the way up to, to movies and TV shows of today. Um, including the highly acclaimed comedy, which is about to start production on season eight, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a comedy. It's a comedy mm-hmm. about cops. I mean, they're not only are they doing the Lord's work, but they're uh, lovable bumblers. I, yeah. There's no way these guys could choke hold and kill uh, people on the streets of Brooklyn. They, they, they can barely uh, live their own lives without us, the audience, laughing our asses mm. off. Um. Also, uh, being doing seven seasons, seven seasons of a cop show set in New York, and rarely touching the issues of race or Pro- anything like probably that. Not touching it, it at all. They, they only have like if two. Ever. It says here, an episode in season four had Terry Crews's character get racially profiled and harassed by a white cop out after dark. Uh, so yeah, just okay, like one I mean, that, episode. That, that could have been an entire season. Yeah, <laughs> one episode. Um, so apparently, um, the showrunner Dan Gore had already written four episodes of season eight. They're ready to go, and now all this shit's happening. And he threw those episodes out. Well, well good for him. Yep, they're at, at least he's recognizing there's a problem with his own show. He's recognizing the problem with the show. He's recognizing that there is a moment. He's reading the room and he's acting accordingly. As well, he should. So we'll see what they put out out there. And it's, I mean, 
There are a bunch of cuck libtards working on that show anyway, so I'm sure they'll squeeze in their social social justice agenda bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing you know, it's the gay agenda, and then I'm forced to suck a dick. Uh, you know. Yes, you'll be government mandate to suck that dick. When the liberal government comes in, takes my guns, and forces me to suck a dick, <laughs> then where are you going to stand up for your rights, America? You know what's on the other side of that mask? A dick. A big one. Twister 2. Why is that happening? Why? Why? Drew, tell me. I don't know. Money. That's why. Uh, because it's a recognizable title, right? Because it gets people sure. talking. It actually did get people talking. They announced it online. We're doing a remake, a reboot of Twister. And at least three different people in the same day posted to the Facebook group. All of the variations are like, why? Why? What's the point? Or, you know, or something or other. And that's why. Because people recognize the name. Uh, it's easier than coming up with a new name. What do you want to call it, tornado? I mean, can we can Roland Emmerich please be attached to it? Yes, you're right. No, um, the director is interesting that they did choose. It's Joseph Kaczynski, who Top Gun Maverick comes out this Christmas sometime. So it's his, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so it'll be his next movie. Um, he did Troy, Troy. He did Tron Legacy. And then he did um, Oblivion, which both those movies look amazing. So if anything. I mean, it'll, it'll look nice. It's gonna look. The, those tornadoes are gonna look nice. But are they gonna? Is it gonna be a good movie? I don't we'll know. see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's Joseph Kaczynski. Kaczynski, who himself is a um, David Fincher. Speaking of him again, the David Fincher protege uh, started out as a, um, I think an architect or a designer. His background is one hundred percent in design, yeah. which is why his movies look the way they do. Okay. Um. David Leach, right? Mm-hmm. Did John Wick with mm-hmm. Stahesky. Whatever mm-hmm. that's to Atomic Blonde, mm-hmm. Deadpool 2, mm-hmm. Hobbs and Shaw. Yep. It's got his next project. It is. As a director. And it's something called Bullet Train. Okay. All right, he's making this for Sony. Uh, and it's about assassins on a speeding train. Okay. That's it. That's all you need to know. What else you need to know? So it's going to be uh, Atomic Blonde, Train to, train to Busan. Atomic Blonde to Busan is what it's going to be. Uh, Instead of zombies, it's assassins. Close. Not Busan, Tokyo. Um, Bullet Train centers on a group of hitmen and assassins with conflicting motives on a train in Tokyo. The project has been tonally described as speed meets nonstop. Nonstop is that, uh, for people who don't recall, because of the generic title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Liam Neeson on an airplane movie, where he's the air marshal. And yeah. then it turns out Scoot McNair is the bad guy all along. Yeah. That wasn't very good. No, it wasn't very good. Correct. <laughs> Weird. But yeah, it's going to be a lot like that movie. Like, oh, well. So, so it's going to be like The Commuter. All right. Yeah. That makes much more sense. They should have picked The <laughs> that, that makes same director. It's on a train. How did they not pick that one? Um, Stoheski had a point in his career where he can essentially do almost anything, I guess, especially if it's franchise related. Deadpool 2 grossed 785 million worldwide, Hobbs and Shaw 759 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's got a couple of big hits under his belt. And then Atomic Blonde was did well enough that they're producing a sequel that maybe I think it's a Netflix movie, but still, it did well enough that there's interest in. Pumping money into another one. I mean, Charlie Theron's got a new action Netflix movie coming out on Netflix. Yeah, so, um, the Old Guard, where they're like immortals or something. Yep. It's based on a comic book, apparently. Yeah. Comic book stuff. 
Oh, uh, hell yeah, I'll watch that shit. Me too. Oh, except for the fact that it's fucking two hours plus. Eh, I'm, not, I'm not. I mean, I'll watch it. I'll watch but it. But still. It's Charlie's. It's Charlie's. Unless it comes back with a Rotten Tomato score like uh, Last Days of American Crime or whatever. <laughs> Even my dad watched that. I was hanging out on vacation with my dad the other week. Uh, and he was like, I was like, <laughs> boy, was it bad. I was like, what was this? Like, the Last Days of Crime or something? And I, was, I got excited. I was like, Last Days of American Crime? Drew was just telling me how bad it was like two days after <laughs> um, you watched it. It's like, Drew was just telling me how bad that thing is. He was like, man, but I, I had to watch the whole thing. <laughs> and my mom was like, yeah, stop watching this thing. Um, okay, Ex Machina is real now, Drew. Yeah. You see the story? No. Oh, Ex Machina is going to be real now. I mean, yeah. Right, so Ex Machina is going to be real. Now. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so you saw the story. Damn it. Um. <laughs> Bondit Capital Media. Uh, they've uh, financed a couple of small movies to the bone. Loving Vincent. I think Loving Vincent was that. Willem Dafoe Hulu. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're teaming up with a couple of other production companies to back a movie called B. Lowercase B. They got to change that title. Mm-hmm. $70 million sci-fi film. It will be the first film, producers say, to rely on an artificially intelligent actor. Okay. Uh, B will follow a scientist who discovers dangers associated with the program he created to perfect human DNA, and he helps the AI woman he designed to escape. That, that's ex machina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Japanese scientists Hiroshi Ishiguro and Kohei Ogawa, uh, they created Erica in real life as part of their study of robotics. They taught her to act applying the principles of method acting to artificial intelligence. In other methods of acting, actors involve their own life experiences in the role. Erica has no life experiences. She was created from scratch to play the role, so we had to simulate her motions and emotions through one-on-one sessions, such as controlling the speed of her movements, talking through her feelings, and coaching character development and body language. Okay. Uh, so they are uh, meticulously designing an AI actor, an AI robot. It's, it's weird science meets ex machina. It's, someone's going to try and fuck it. Someone better fuck this thing. Opening scene of it better be getting <laughs> hardcore robo penetration. That's a Gaspar Noe movie. If Gaspar Noe did it, it would start with a, a close-up of a penis entering the robot's mouth from inside the robot's head. Like the, no. the Why is this in 3D, Gaspar? He's just like, yes, yes. Jerking off in the background furiously. Um, Erica was originally set to debut in a completely different movie that was going to be directed by Tony K. But the producers parted with Tony K over scheduling. I bring that part of the story up because Tony K has only made two movies going back to 1999. And his third movie was going to involve a fucking AI robot. <laughs> Tony K is insane. And when I tell you his two movies, you're like, oh yeah, that man must be insane. Uh, American History X. Yeah. And uh, a documentary that came out like five or six years later called Lake of Fire, which is a documentary about abortion. And it's like just a straight ahead, no no bias, no perspective, just this is what abortion is, including here are how procedures are done. Like, here's the aftermath. And it's just like, whoa, whoa. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, rave, rave reviews when it came out. And then like, no, people were like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> well, I, I understand. And he has Because I don't. And I don't think he's had a movie made since then. Uh-huh. Um, Toby K. Fascinating, fascinating guy. Um, let's see here. We're, we're, we're at in time. We're doing okay with time. How many stories do I have left? Oh, my God. Okay, we got we to gotta fly through these things. Go, Chris. Go. Move it. Okay, I already mentioned Tenant being delayed. And yes. all their, their uh, Stuff. plans. Stuff. Uh-huh. We got a Michael B. Jordan drive-in screening series coming in July. So this is very fascinating for people. Okay. Um, he teamed up with Amazon Studios, mm-hmm. and they're doing A Night at the Drive-In. And it's a screening series at drive-ins across the country. Um. So this week, July 1st, you can go to a drive-in showing this, and you can watch... A uh, double feature of Love and Basketball and Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. The next week, you can do a back-to-back of Black Panther and Creed. Following week, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Hook. Huh. That's fun. That's a weird twofer. Uh, August 12th, you can do a back-to-back Do the Right Thing and Get Out. And then finally, August 26th, back-to-back Coming to America and Girls Trip. Interesting. Uh, Michael B. Jordan says in a statement with this drive-in summer series, I hope that friends and families are able to not only enjoy, but to learn and to grow now more than ever. Amplifying black and brown stories means engaging culture to speak to hearts and minds about the world we live in. As we use this opportunity to reimagine community and proximity, I'm excited these films will be shared and celebrated all across the country. Woo! Here are the lists of participating drive-in theaters, and it is very short. Uh, I'll say for cities I know people are in The Violin Drive-In in LA The Overlook Drive-In in New York I know people are there for sure The Las Vegas 6 Drive-In in Vegas uh, Do we have people in Philly? Shank Wilder's Drive-In in Philly The Galaxy Drive-In in Dallas Oh Dallas, stay home guys Everyone in Texas, stay home Showboat Drive-In in Houston Guys, stay home Houston Oh, here in Orlando, Florida The Ocala Drive-In That's not Orlando That's Ocala it's Ocala. That's a complete. It should say Ocala, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ocala driving, that's cool. Again, now we run into my problem, Drew, of not wanting to spend two to four hours in my car, particularly. Yeah, no, uh, I mean in anybody's car, period. Yeah, I'm not necessarily against cars. You can have like a nice car. Well, if I had like a sweet ass, big, comfy SUV, like a huge front seat, all leather. I got my, I got my, my, my vape pens. Chris, I ate a bunch Chris, of oil. You don't have any of that stuff. No, I don't. I have a, I have a '98 Buick Century that smells like the old man that lived in it before I had it. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sucks. The AC barely works. <laughs> I don't want to spend any time in that car. Um, aren't I a catch, ladies? There's uh, another Pirates of the Caribbean in the works, but I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about. It. It's not a, a reboot, though. They're doing the reboot where it's like instead of Jack Sparrow, it's someone else. But they're also doing, in addition to that, a separate uh, Pirates movie being led by Margot Robbie. Yep, and it's being written. By this lady, I want to get her name right here, Christina Hodson. Christina Hodson, Drew Cogburn, also wrote Suicide Squad. No, that's not true. She also wrote Bumblebee and Birds of Prey. Okay. Uh, And she is currently the writer for DCEU's Batgirl 
And apparently she's the one that Ezra Miller brought in for Flashpoint. Nice. So she is very, very busy over at Warner Brothers. And they just threw her a new Pirates movie to also write on top of all this stuff. So uh, Christina Hudson. Making that money. Making that money. Doing the Lord's work. Good for her. Let me see what's the story. Giancarlo Esposito. Working with AMC to host a docu-series called the it's called the broken and the bad it's an amc docuseries about the making of breaking bad and better call Saul. but really it's going to be about all the real life uh criminals and crimes and things that vince gilligan and peter gould took inspiration from cool i'm down so it's like a i guess sort of you know the true crimes yeah. that influenced breaking bad and john carlos esposito is gonna host it i'm down i didn't even think that there was i mean i guess so all these things are always based on some sort of Dude, truth is always strange than fiction. Right? So they find it. They find a real story. They actually pare it down to make it seem less crazy. And then they make it a fictional thing. Yeah. Funny how that works. Um, all right, here we go. Apparently, George Romero, rest in power, been dead for a few years now, has an unreleased movie. Okay. And the reason we bring it up, shit's about to get released. It's from 1973. It's called The Amusement Park. And it has a weird origin story. Uh, basically what happened... Where is it? Why can't I find it? Um, I had it before. So, yeah. bas- so basically what happened, uh, someone went to George Romero. This is a few years after uh, Night of the Living Dead. I think maybe also after Dawn of the Dead. And they said that they want him to make a movie that's basically about um, the, the the terrors of growing old in America mm-hmm. and how people treat you poorly and how, how it sucks. It just sucks getting old, especially in America. Um, oh, here we go. It, it was commissioned by the Lutheran Society. They wanted a movie that raised awareness about ageism and elder abuse. So he made a movie called The Amusement Park, in which... An elderly man finds himself disoriented and increasingly isolated as the pains, tragedies, and humiliations of aging America are manifested through roller coasters and chaotic crowds. Mm. Uh, it did screen back in the day, got good reviews, just never came out. And uh, now it is. Someone, someone found a print of it. They watch it; it's pretty good. They remastered it. Yellow Veil Pictures handling the worldwide distribution rights. All right, fun. Yeah, uh, he passed in 2017. His last theatrical movie was Survival of the Dead in 2009, and uh, it was not good. Well, there we go. Hopefully this one will be. It wasn't good. Land of the Dead was a good one. Did you ever see that one? The Dennis so. Hopper one? Uh, That's the one where one of the zombies learns how to speak by the end. Oh, okay. Because his, his movies are about the evolution of the mm-hmm. zombie. So by the end of four, it learns how to speak. Uh, I mean, you know, like, no, that kind of thing. Like Caesar and... <laughs> In the Apes, Apes movies, uh, Ron Perlman confirmed that he was asked to reprise, 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 reprise. He was asked to come back as Hellboy. Yeah, but uh, what, the other dude wasn't in it, so he's like, fuck that. 
Guillermo del Toro is not coming back. So they said, I only do del Toro's Hellboy. Damn straight. So they got David Harbour to do it instead. And we all know what happened what with happened that. since then. David Harbour has been, since then, he's been like, people decided to hate on that movie before it even came out. So we never had a shot. But I don't think that's true. No. I think if they made a good movie, then people would have liked it. Yeah. If, if it had been on par or better than any of the other Hellboys, but yeah. it wasn't. And it's not like that bar is that high no, necessarily. It's not. So. It just didn't have it whatever for whatever reason. Um... He also confirms that he never saw it. Good for him. Yeah, the new one. Yeah, you're wasting your time, Ron. Don't bother. This is interesting news. The Coen brothers have split up. Okay. Uh, Ethan Coen. Is it Ethan or Joel? One of the Coens. That's not the other one. Wanted to make a movie version of Macbeth. Okay. You wanted to tackle Macbeth. That's Joel Coen. Joel Coen wanted to make Macbeth. Ethan Coen was not interested. Okay. And for the first time, they agreed to separate and not work on a movie together. Well, there we go. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Um, this is from Carter Burwell, the longtime composer. He admits it's a little different, even just the conversations I've had. It's a little different to have one of the brothers there. And I know Ethan. I saw him towards the end of last year, and Joel was out prepping the shoot. And he said it felt strange that Joel was out there getting ready to make a movie. But Ethan didn't want to do it. He wants to do other things. So it's going to be a little bit different. But I think it's safe to say it's still going to be a very recognizable voice that you're familiar with, a look that you're familiar with, and I think you'll find that. Um, so his Macbeth, Joel Cohen's Macbeth, will be called The Tragedy of Macbeth. And it's been envisioned, apparently, as a ticking clock thriller. Right? Uh, Macbeth will be played by uh, Denzel Washington. Cool. Lady Macbeth. Francis McDormand. Okay. A.K.A. Um, Mrs. Ethan. Yep. Joel Cohen. Mrs. Joel Cohen. She's ran to Joel Cohen. Um, H24 producing. Cool. I'm down. I mean, yeah, it's Cohen. It's, well, it's a Cohen. Now it's just one Cohen. It's a Cohen. It's a Cohen, but it's Macbeth. It's Shakespeare. It's going to be something. It's going to be weird. It's going to be Denzel. He's going to be doing lots of speeches. Yeah. Uh, it's already been now two years since uh, Michael Fassbender Macbeth. It's time for a new one. Sure. We need a new Macbeth every f- five years. At least. Contractually speaking, we need a Macbeth every five years. Or else the, or else the, the ghosts of the old world take over and, and we die of fiery Ghostbusters death, right? Cool. Wasn't the reaction I was expecting. Uh, as a funny little thing here, this is interesting. I don't know how to phrase uh, Just say it. It's regarding Seth MacFarlane. So when Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came out and only made $10 million at the box office, real mm-hmm. bummer. Uh, apparently Seth MacFarlane tweeted Scott Pilgrim Zero World 2 hi-yo and Edgar Wright saw that he was like man fuck this guy <laughs> it's like what an, what an asshole thing to say um, and then shortly thereafter MacFarlane's A Million Ways of Dying in the West oh yeah that was a stinker that was a stinker which bombed and only made 16 million dollars on its opening weekend uh, compared to Ted which made 54 million opening weekend so uh Edgar Wright says here, Monday morning, Michael... Uh, no, no, that's something else. Uh, he said that he he rubbed his hands and here we go. I was like, fuck you. And I lay in wait until Million Ways to Die in the West came out or whatever it was called. And I rubbed my hands with glee. I didn't tweet anything but a total monster. Cool. So yes, yeah, McFarlane, meet yourself an enemy. And his and name is Edgar Wright. Not a good one. Not a good one. He will, he will send Ansel Elgort your way. And Kevin Spacey. 
Uh, Edgar Wright needs to hire a private investigator for whoever he casts for his movies in the future. Yes, yes, you probably should. Or just, then again, or just stick to Simon Pegg and Nick Frost for everything. Then again, everybody probably should. Yeah, right? Guys, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Hans Zimmer, score, Dune, making it. Okay, cool, fun. <laughs> this, speak, show. No reply. No, nothing. Grammar's off. Oh, I wait, I wait. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to reply to that. No, no, um, so Hans Zimmer spoke to Variety about uh, composing the Dune score. He says, "I'm driving everybody crazy because I'm so full of ideas right now. I'm in the middle of making these sounds. I just have these ideas, and it's like this every day. Doing all these, all these experiments, I have no idea if any of them will ever really end up in the movie. But we're so dedicated, trying to do something different, to do solid, honorable work, and to do justice to the book. Big fan of the book. Uh, he signed on for Dune." Knowing it would make him unavailable for Tenet. Uh, sorry. Yeah, he's like, sorry. But then he even says here, um, he's like, Chris, oh, he says, I have to do Dune, Zimmer told the playlist last summer. Chris understands I have to do it. He's going to be just fine. He's going to be fine because he got fucking aforementioned Ludwig Goranson to do his score. Yep. So not only are we going to get a great Hans Zimmer Dune score, we're going to get a great. Ludwig Gorenson Tenet score. We're gonna get a Gorenson Tenet score. We're just like, what's that gonna be? Is it gonna sound like one thing halfway through the movie, and then the rest of the movie is gonna play it backwards? And be like, oh, this is what the song was the whole time. Maybe. Expect some sort of shenanigans, uh-huh. something, something like that's gonna happen. Um, we're tying up a couple of things earlier from the first half, Drew. Oh, you know what else? Jason Reitman directed Juno. Oh, there we go. That was another huge hit for him. Juno was, it was, thank you for smoking it then, Juno. Um, but Jason Reitman is currently working on a, uh, on a movie with the help of a lot of people that will be released as a benefit to the World Central Kitchen. Okay. And that movie is a remake of The Princess Bride. Okay, cool. And the way he's doing it, he reached out, to, first he got the rights, so it's official. Yep. Then he reached out to, all his Hollywood buddies and like, all hey. their buddies. This is I had this idea, and basically, he divvied up the movie to a whole bunch of different people, and they on their own at in their homes, their quarantine spaces, their isolation spaces, did their parts. Did their parts. They recreated the movie however they could. Then Reitman stitched everything together. Uh, so it includes people playing like the same characters are going to be played by different people. Uh, so he found real life couples living together for all the, the uh, the Princess Buttercup mm-hmm. and uh, Dread Pirate Roberts. What's his name? Wesley. All the Wesley stuff. And this blew my mind. He put like a little teaser of what it's gonna look like. Mm-hmm. This blew my mind. I had no idea. I guess I'm just behind on this. But Common and Tiffany Haddish are a couple. Oh, good for them. Good. For, that's what I thought. It's good. Great for them. I mean, that's a. Weird. I mean, Common, she seems so stoic and like beat poet all the time. And then Tiffany Haddish is Tiffany Haddish. But I guess they just meet in the middle. You know? I guess. They they level each other out, perhaps. But there's so there's a scene where like he plays Wesley while she's the princess. Um, we got some casting confirmation stuff in here. Let me see. We got a. Uh, some of these are pretty funny. Haddish and Common. As well as Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner. Mm-hmm. They're going to pop up. Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, David Burtka, mm-hmm. are going to play Buttercup and Wesley at some point. 
And it actually helps that apparently they had Princess Bride costumes from a previous Halloween. That makes sense. They famously uh, yeah, go all out for, Halloween. for every Halloween. Hugh Jackman will have a dim sum strainer on his head to play Prince Humperdinck. Fun. So that's his crown. Uh, David Oyelowo will also get to play uh, Humperdinck in some scenes. Cool. Um, Vizini obviously played man they should I hope like the real actors pop up I mean Wallace Shawn is still alive but Vizini will be played in some scenes by Patton Oswalt that's perfect sometimes by Rain Wilson cool uh, Inigo Montoya Inigo Montoya come my father prepared to die that mm-hmm. guy will be played by Pedro Pascal Diego Luna and Keegan-Michael Key cool uh, and then this is fantastic this is in the teaser Playing the grandfather reading the book, Rob Reiner, who directed the original movie. Yeah. And playing the Fred Savage role, sleeping in the bed, getting the story read to him. Fred Savage. Ah, oh, you wish, Drew. Even better for you. Josh Gad. Yeah. Your boy! I only like some of his stuff. Uh, and this is going to be one of them, when he's in bed pretending to be a child. <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll see. Uh, so this is coming this is coming online guys keep an eye out for it the Princess Bride remake the at home remake and your final story real quick on the Avengers movies they would play Boggle to keep themselves entertained on set Drew Cogburn according to Chris Evans of all the Avengers just think the, the large like Avengers Endgame right the main all the Avengers of all the Avengers who do you think was best at it, who do you think was worst? I'm looking for three names. And Chris Evans ain't one of them because he's the one telling the story. Who would be, of all the Avengers, who would you think would be the best at Boggle, the infamous word game? Best at I'm the king of Boggle. Boggle. There is none higher. I get who 11 points with the word Quackmire. The best at Boggle. It's hmm. a good question. And all, all the Avengers are in play. I know. So I'm trying to... Hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch. That's a great guess. Because the, the accent, you think he's smart. He, Sherlock Holmes surely would be smart. Well, that that and he has a silly name. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. I have, to, I have to use a lot of words often. A lot of letters often. Uh, no, not Cumberbatch. No. Uh, you want to take a guess at the worst? Who would be the dummy of the group? The word dummy? Not necessarily the dummy, but the word dummy. Just can't figure out the game. Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay, that's a good guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't think she was around long enough. These movies didn't even make an imprint on her on her psyche. I mean, you're right. She like barely, I was in an Avengers? I was in an Avengers movie? Like, oh, you're such a wonderful ditz. We love you. We love your goop brain. Chris Evans says, we were big into Boggle during the Marvel movies. I'm going to tell you right now, without fail, you could be playing with a group of 20 people. The person who is gonna win is Paul Rudd. Makes sense. Apparently he's a smarty. He's a word smarty. The person who's going to come in nail-biting second, Don Cheadle. Good for him. And Ruffalo would be away at the end. Oh, big dummy Hulk. Big dummy Hulk. The guy playing the scientist, uh, uh, physicist, is a big dummy. Chris Evans goes on to say, we'll have like two words on his whole list, but he got asbestos. How do you get asbestos on the boggle board? It's a real anomaly. Uh, so there we go. Chris Evans spilling the dirt on his fellow wordsmiths and not wordsmiths. All right. On the Avengers cast. When was the last time you played Boggle? Man, uh, I think decades? Like when I was a kid. Yeah. When was the last time I played Boggle? Decades easily. Man, I'm, I'm not sure if I remember how to play so I'm not roll the letter sound. They're like, shh. I don't know like how dice it works. I don't remember how it works. That's crazy. Um, 
guys what's your highest boggle word score ever hit us up on twitter let us know at crespediso uh hashtag king of boggle and that's the end of the episode we did it drewster cogburn chris crespo thank you you're welcome and i'll see you next week oh uh hashtag i wrote it down hashtag blm hashtag brianna taylor hashtag kill your masters hashtag eat the rich eat the rich how's the rest of it go i don't know peace PFT Media Production.